0: For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Good morning, CityWalk Church. Glad you're here today. Glad to be continuing this good series, The Life of a Jesus Follower. I hope uh, you're getting as much out of it as, as we are. I, I really love being a part of a church where Jesus is always our lead story. Uh, that's a good thing. It's part of our core values here at CityWalk, and um, I'm glad to be a part of that. Today, our lead pastor, Chris Fincham, he is away celebrating the wedding of a friend. He's in Florida. Um, fortunately, he found out while he's on this trip that his grandfather in the Midwest also passed away. So be in prayer for his family. They're, they're trying to figure all that out. But um, he was a good man, and uh, they, they kind of saw that coming. Nevertheless, our, our lead pastor uh, Chris Fincham. He's a great guy, a, a gifted leader, and a visionary. And if you've never had a chance to meet Chris, I encourage you to come back another Sunday and meet him. You will not regret it. Nevertheless, my name is Chris Dowdy. I'm the pastor of Family, family Ministries here at CityWalk. We're both named Chris to make it easy. And uh, I, have a, I have a great job here at CityWalk. I get to lead a fantastic team of people next door who minister to many of your kids every week. As a matter of fact, uh, about song two, I was still over there playing dodgeball with the elementary kids. So that's been that kind of a morning. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, we're glad to do that. If you ever have questions, I, I always want to say this, I never do. If you have a question about what we do in City Kids, feel free to grab me or anybody else. Uh, a lot of times we're wearing green shirts. Pull us aside and ask us. I'm sure we'll be glad to tell you what, what's going on in City Kids. Um, however, another ministry, another area of our church that I, I get to help lead is City Groups. And I got to tell you, I love City Groups. City groups is a fantastic time every week where we get to meet together and share our lives, share what God is doing, and and really get to connect with other people. Um, If you're a part of a city group, then you understand exactly what I mean. If if you're not a part of a city group, I want to encourage you, even now, there are spaces and opportunities available in in city groups right now you could join this week. You could go on the app online. You could see those groups. And it gives you an opportunity to connect with people at our church unlike you can do on a Sunday morning. And, and, and I cannot encourage you to do that enough. You know, actually, Pastor Chris last week, when he started our Life of the Jesus Follower series, he leaned into this idea of relationships, because we believe that when you look at the life of Jesus, and as a, as a Jesus follower, very simply put, right, my goal is to follow the life of Jesus, And as as you look at the life of Jesus, you really see his life wrapped up in relationships. And, And you can really look at those as three different types of relationships, right? First is the abiding relationship. The relationship, and this goes for us as well, the relationship we have with God, where we rest in him. That vertical relationship, if you want to look directionally. Then you have the connecting relationship, the relationship that we have with fellow believers, other people who are on this journey, we're walking together into a growing relationship with Jesus. You know, at City Walk, we try to encourage those relationships as much as possible. We do it through city groups. We do it through city students. We do it, even in city kids, we do small groups trying to build relationships everywhere everywhere we can. We want to encourage relationships. But there was a third type of relationship. It was that sharing relationship. And this is the type of relationship where it's with people outside the church, where we are trying to share this great God that we have found with the world around us. You know, a lot of times I've found that I'm sharing God with people who don't even, have never never even heard the name of Jesus, or at least they've never heard the name of Jesus not used as profanity. And that's a real thing in our culture and world. So it's that relationship of how do we share this great thing that we've found with people who haven't found it yet. And it's these relationships. And that's what we've been focused on as we talk about the life of a Jesus follower. So our text this morning is going to be from the book of Mark. Now, Mark tells us the story of Jesus' last few years here on earth. It's sometimes referred to as Jesus' public ministry, and Mark tells us just this little section of Jesus' life. We're going to go to Mark chapter 3 this morning. And um, in our passage, Jesus is surrounded by a large crowd of people. And as is often the case, Jesus did the opposite of what you might expect. You know, you would expect with a large crowd of, peop- a large crowd of people that Jesus might play to the crowd, try to build up his popularity. But that's not what he did we are going to find in our passage that Jesus left the large crowd and he called individuals to be a part with him. And I think there's a great principle here that Jesus was not looking to build a following. Jesus was looking to build followers. And there's such power there. Let's look at Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. They're up on the screens if you have it in your scriptures as well. It says, And he, that's Jesus, went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired and they came to him and he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach let's take a moment and pray let's ask god to help us in this time to hear from him jesus i humbly ask that you would help us this morning god help me to listen to you I pray that the words that are spoken this morning would be just the words that that we need to hear as a gathering. God, I pray for the people, all of us in this room, the kids next door, that you would give us listening spirits. God, may may your presence be free among us. Show us what you want and help us to follow you well. In Jesus' name, amen. I am a child of the 70s. Raise your hand if you're a child of the 70s. Now, I have to admit, 17 days after I was born, the 70s ended. But I still claim it, okay? Uh, I was born at the end in December of 79, but I still claim it. And as a child of the 70s, I remember that it was a tough time, all right? So like the U.S. was in a Cold War, not great with Russia, understand that. You know, the threat of nuclear annihilation was on everyone's minds. There was an energy crisis, I. ABBA's music was popular, okay? The 70s were a tough time, people. And um, so, you know, in response to this security risk, the U.S. government spent an outrageous sum of money creating and implementing a global positioning system. Now, here was the idea. We were in a Cold War with a massive enemy, and the oceans are a dimensionless battlefield. You can't say, hey, there's this mountain range. It's just, there's just water. So they wanted to create a system where they could have precise locations for their ships. And maybe they could even, if they could tag it right, they could get precise locations for the enemy ships. So they created this vast system. Now, thankfully, in 1983, two things had happened. The 70s had ended, and President Reagan declared that this system would be available for civilian use. And today, I can whip out my phone, which my wife is holding right now, and I can say, okay, Waze, find pizza. And lo and behold, it takes me to any pizzeria in the world. How great is that? All right? Greatest $12 billion the U.S. government ever spent, right? <laughs> so that's where we are. We have this global positioning system, this GPS. And, and if you're like me, I, I remember driving before GPS was a thing. I'm that old. But... I really don't know how we did it now, okay? I, I, I guess my friends gave me maps that were drawn on paper, whatever that is, and you would get turn-by-turn directions from people, not from a phone, but we did that, right? And now I can literally just ask my phone and it'll take me anywhere. It's an amazing thing. And it, what's even more cool is it won't just find pizza. It'll find ice cream and donuts too. I mean, how awesome is that, all right? So, but here's the point just like any good travel agent, your phone also gives you warnings. So if I'm using Waze and I'm driving on the road, have you ever heard this? Heavy traffic reported ahead. We all love to hear that one. That's my favorite, right? Or even better, recalculating. Who loves to hear recalculating? Am I right? That's, that's the phone's kind, kind way of saying, hey, um, bub, you're going the wrong way. Turn around. And it usually, it usually even says this, all polite. Um, at the next available opportunity, make a U-turn, all right? And that's always fun. We're going the wrong direction. But that, and that's, the, and that, that's where it gets all ripped. right. We've all had to bite our pride and say, all right, we've got to make that U-turn. But we have to, right? Because the, the trouble is, with going the wrong direction, is you will end up somewhere. But it's not where you want to end up. And, and, and we, have to, we have to get ourselves in that mindset, You know, the same thing is true spiritually. A lot of times, it's real easy to be heading in the wrong direction. I know my personal story, I did this over and over, heading in the wrong direction. But following Jesus, thankfully, has a good direction for us. And um, let me me share my story. So I I grew up in Lakeland, Florida, central Florida, some little town you may never have heard of unless you lived there. And I got to tell you guys, Growing up as even a little kid into my teenage years, I came to Christ at 16, all right, to give the full breadth of the story before that. So, growing up, I gotta tell you, my identity, my total self, was wrapped up in one thing looking good, all right? And I gotta tell you, I looked good. Not just on the outside, I was a cute little kid, but I I played all the cards right. Like, if there was a way to position myself above my classmates, I figured it out, and I played it before they could, because I always wanted to be the head of the class. I wanted to be the one who was voted as president. I I won the American Legion Award in sixth grade. You better believe it, okay? I mean, that was me, and and, and I did it. I was an achiever, and I was doing all these things. And I got to tell you, during that time, I went to church too. I did all these things, but my motivation at the end, it was all about, number one, I, me. I would have told you, I'm a follower of Jesus. Yeah, we go to church. I, I, I believe in Jesus. But Guys, my entire life was devoted to serving one entity. And it was not Jesus Christ. It was Chris Dowdy. And that's where I was. I was headed the wrong way, and I would have told you I was headed the right way. And, and it's really easy to get caught in that same thing. So this morning, I want to take a moment and focus on the path of Jesus, being a Jesus follower. And we're going to use our passage from Mark chapter 3 as our GPS to kind of look and see where, if we're on track or if we need to recalculate. So to quote Ways, I, I love it, I love Waze. You may use Siri or something else, but that just bothers me. Ways is the bomb. So to quote Ways, I have to do this. All set, let's go. I love that, every time. So let's look again at our text, Mark chapter 3, Verses 13 through 14. I want to read this again. And he, that's Jesus, went up on the mountain, and he called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. Now the first thing we notice from this passage is that being a Jesus follower begins with an invitation. Jesus, and it quotes called them, called to him those whom he desired. You know, in the verses immediately before this passage, Jesus is in, is in such a large crowd that literally being crushed by the crowd was a legitimate problem. He was worried about it. So they actually put Jesus in a little ship, they cast him offshore a couple yards, and Jesus stood on a ship in the Sea of Galilee by himself, where he had a buffer from the crowd and he taught all these people, this huge group of people. And he is teaching these people. He's pouring into them. He's, he's telling them truth. He's healing people. He's even setting people free from the grips of Satan himself. I mean, he's had, he's had a great day. If I'm in his spot as ministry, I'm thinking, this is on fire and I'm staying. But that's not what Jesus does. That's not at all what Jesus does. Instead of working the crowd and campaigning for his own popularity, Jesus sends the crowd away and he calls individuals that come up to the mountain to be with him alone. You know, there's an interesting note here that I think is really worth us looking at. A relationship with Jesus is different than merely hanging out with the pro-Jesus crowd. A relationship with Jesus is different than merely hanging out with a pro-Jesus crowd because a relationship with Jesus is personal. You know, it's not about following others. It's not about following your friends or your parents. I've been there. A relationship with Jesus is about following Jesus for yourself. That was absolutely something I needed to hear as a teenager. You know, my freshman year of high school, I hate to admit this, I probably spoke with six people total my entire year. And that may be hard, some of you who know me think that I'm a really like, out there, loquacious person, but I'm, I'm not joking, six people, maybe max, my entire senior or freshman year of high school. What happened was we transitioned to an entirely different school district from my eighth to ninth grade year. So when I got to high school on day one, I knew this many people. And I just shelled up, guys. I didn't talk to a soul and I am I am so grateful that sophomore year that first week of school Jill Andrews broke me out of that tra- track this young lady I'm sitting in Spanish too and this girl leans over to me she asks me my name and she brought me into the conversation with her friends and it sounds silly but that changed my life I, I began to hang out with them. I did things with them outside of school. I actually had people to eat lunch with. And and it was great. It changed things for me. And it, here's what I noticed. Most of us in that group went to church. We had, my family started going back to church right about this time, the beginning of high school. So I'd probably been going back to church for a year. And we, most of us went to church, but I got to tell you, when when my new friends started talking about Jesus, it was different. When they spoke about Jesus, there was, there was a different tone. It was personal. They talked like people who actually knew someone. You know, it'd be the difference between me telling you about Albert Einstein and me telling you about my wife. There'd be a difference, right? Right? I actually know a lot about Albert Einstein. I had to do research on him. But I'm telling you what, I know more about her. I better know more about her than, than, than Albert Einstein. And thats they talked about Jesus like someone they knew, not just someone they had read about. And I got to tell you, as I got closer and closer to these people, I realized I wanted what they had because what they had was different. It was, it was better than what I had. I realized I needed it. And just like that, Jesus invited these men here in our passage personally to have a relationship with him. That he invited, that he called them to himself. You know, this was much more than Jesus having a long day at the office and asking his buddies over to hang out and have pizza in the evening. No, it was much more than that. It was deeper than that. This was Jesus calling people with a specific invitation to know him. Now, the word calling here is loaded. It has, it, it, it's not the idea of, of just a destination. It's the idea of them calling him personally to himself. And, and what I want to emphasize here is the invitation to follow Jesus is not about going to church. It's not about following some quirky sets of do's and don'ts. It's not about living a moral lifestyle. It's not about getting involved. It's not even an invitation to go to heaven when you die. The invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation to enjoy a relationship with your Creator. To have that through the person of Jesus Christ. But why, did, why would God invite these guys? This, If you've read and you know about these guys, they were just a rough group of individuals. Why would he invite them to have a relationship? And it's really simple. Jesus invited them to follow him because he loved them. Doesn't have to be anything shocking. It's because he loved them. You know, our passage tells us that Jesus desired them. He desired them. He wanted to be with him. Jesus was not desiring anything physical from them. He wasn't asking Peter to come along because Peter had some skill set that Jesus wanted to manipulate. That's not how it worked. What Jesus wanted to do was to know them, to build into their lives. And then Jesus wanted to enjoy that relationship with a being that God created and was being used the way God created it to be used. It's a beautiful thing. That's the invitation. That's the invitation. And I want to I take this. I, if I want to step out for a second, imagine, you can fill in the blanks here. You're about to hear my weird personality. But imagine that you're invited to have a relationship with someone you really admire. Think about it. Think about being invited to hang out at Joe Montana's house. How cool would that be, right? Toss the old pigskin with Joe you know, or think about being invited, this is me, to maybe go to an after party with Tina Fey. I think she's so funny, guys. I just think Tina Fey's the bomb. All right? That would be the coolest thing to be invited to hang out with Tina Fey. Or even better, think about being invited to enjoy some better ingredients with Papa John. How cool would that be, guys? All right? I mean, they, that would be exciting. Mostly, mostly that would be exciting because of someone we admire wanting to be with us, right? That's great. It's great news. And and here's the thing. There's a valid question that's probably ringing in your mind right now. And the valid question is this. Boy, this guy really likes pizza. What is this problem? No, that's hopefully not the question that's ringing in your head. The question that should be in your head is this. You know, the fact that Jesus wanted to be with these gentlemen, that's great for them, but what about me? Where does this land in my life? And I have some great news for you. You know, 1 Timothy chapter 2 says this. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, in this passage, he who desires all people to come to him, same word that's used in Mark. That desire that Jesus had for this small group of apostles... Is the exact same desire that he has for every single person in this room. It's the same desire he has for that grimy kid next door. It's the same desire that he has for your gripey coworker. Does anybody have one of those? It's the same desire that he has for, for your grumpy uncle. I know I have one of those too. It's the same desire he has for that glowing smile at your favorite hangout. And I am so glad it's the same desire he has for every sleepy-eyed person in this room that looks at themselves in the mirror in the morning. Jesus desires to be with us. And this is an amazing thing. You see, God's primary purpose for every human being can only be enjoyed in a loving relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. And here's the kicker. God desires a relationship with you more than you want a relationship with him because he loves you. I'm going to say that again. God desires a relationship with you more than you want a relationship with him simply because he loves you. However, there is a problem. And the problem is actually quite large. You know, the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament wrote this, but your iniquities have made A separation between you and your God. The evil things in your life have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins, the times when we've just disobeyed God, our sins have hidden His face from us, so He does not hear. The problem is that a relationship with God, the ultimate fulfillment of my life's purpose, I cannot enjoy it because of my sin. That's a problem. However, with every great problem, God has given us a greater solution. And here's the solution also found back in in 1 Timothy chapter 2. It says, for there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. You see, to deal with my sins, and I got to tell you, my sins are many, but to deal with my sins... God himself sent his son. He sent his son to die on a cross to pay the very punishment for my sins. And when I am in a place where I am accused, or I am called a sinner, or I am called unworthy, Jesus Christ step, himself steps forth, shows those hands, and says, no, no, it's all taken care of. That is the solution to the problem. And that is Fantastic. You see, my sins are no longer the defining quality of who I am. The fact that I'm a child of God is. I have a relationship with God. And God loves you so much that He wants to extend that same invitation to all of us. That is amazing. However, that invitation must be accepted. You know, in our original text, Jesus called the disciples and they came to Him. They had to respond to the invitation. Because here's the truth I love about God. God will not force you into a relationship. He simply invites you. God will not force you into a relationship. That's not how God works. He simply makes an invitation. What God wants is a two-way relationship between you and him. That's that's mind-blowing. Both of us drawn toward each other. It's awesome. You know, the phrase they came to him is not a change in location. It's a change in life. It literally means that they, start, they stopped what they were doing and started following something else. These men came to Jesus and they started a relationship with him. They started following Jesus. And if you miss this, really you miss everything. If you start off in the wrong direction, you will end up where you do not want to be. You know, back to my story. I made a, a critical mistake. And I mistook being around Jesus things for being around Jesus himself. You know, when I was in first grade, I was back when my family still went to church. And um, I, um, I was, I, we went to church and I was not fortunate enough to be in a church like ours. There was no city kids in the church I grew up in. Um, we didn't have a really cool children's ministry next door. We, had, we were the pew kids, because that's where we all sat next to our parents every Sunday. And I got to tell you, I made the very most of my time there on the pew. Every song service, I drew and doodled on every single piece of paper I could find. I used up every offering envelope in the pew. And um, during the messages, I got a great power nap every Sunday. I, I, I really made the most of that time as a kid. And I remember once, I was in first grade, I fell asleep, and I remember waking up at the end of the service, and my mom was not sitting beside me. As I woke up, I realized she was down front. She was at the front of the church up here. They had, had an altar call. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, don't worry about it. But they, my mom was at the, at the altar, And she was was right at the front of the church. She was talking to somebody. And as a first grader, I have no inhibitions. I woke up, saw my mom. So I got out of the pew. I walked up to mom, okay? And as I got up there, I'll never forget it. Tommy Pollock, my my Sunday school teacher, he met me. I love Tommy Pollock. I still do to this day. He's a great guy. He's my friend on Facebook. How weird is that? Um, I was a first grader. He's like 50 then, but he's my friend on Facebook. And I remember Tommy talking to me and I remember agreeing with everything he said. I was doing the, the, the bobbing head, the bobblehead syndrome. I remember agreeing with him. That week, he sent me a letter in the mail. It was a little postcard. And um, on that postcard, it was really cute. It had a cartoon, and it had a picture of a little mouse in the cartoon that was like on a, one of those rescue ladders from a, from a helicopter, right? And he's being pulled out of this swamp, and the mouse is trying to climb the thing, he's, and he's getting out of this swamp. And on the back of the postcard, Tommy wrote, I'm so glad that you decided to trust Christ. And he said, I'm praying for you and stuff like that. And I got to tell you, I kept that card for a long time. And anytime time I would start to think, yeah, what, is this real? Did I do this? I got to tell you, I, I didn't go back to a relationship with Jesus. I went back to this postcard. My faith, and it sounds really stupid. You may think, eh, come on, kid. No, my faith was based in this action and a postcard. And I, I, I really dug into it, guys. I remember having some struggles at points thinking, ah, have I, is, this, is this real? But I would go back to the postcard. Well, the postcard. I had talked with somebody. I had made a decision. I was good with God. And that's really where I lived my life. I thought that I was simply okay with God. But the fact of the matter is, I had zero relationship with him. Zero. You know, and I worry that many people, many people wander through life believing that they are also good with God. while they have never accepted the invitation to have a relationship with him. Sadly, I'm not the only person who worries about that. You know, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said this. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? I mean, these guys are coming and saying, Hey, we, we told people about you, we preached, we, we did mighty things. We cast out demons. But look at Jesus' response. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Wow. What a contrast. The difference between someone thinking that they're okay with God and the difference of someone knowing that they have a relationship with God. They're on firm ground. Don't overlook this. Matter of fact, I I, I want to pause for a moment. I want to ask this, this question, because missing this is tragic. The question is, do I know God, or do I only know about God? Do I know God, or do I only know about God? And I'm going to do something here that is unorthodox. The message is not over, but we're going to pray right now. And I want us to all, we're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to to make this question very clear to everyone here. Jesus, you've been good to us. Good to us. Collectively, individually, thank you. God, thank you for sending your son to die for me. Thank you for making it real. Thank you for changing my life. God, I I ask that if If there's someone here who doesn't know you, that, God, they would would hear your truth, and that, God, they would see your goodness, and they would run to you today. Move in your spirit, work in our lives. Help us to all have this question settled in our minds, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, while being a Jesus follower starts with an invitation, it proceeds to intimacy, you know, the purpose of this relationship is so that we can live for him. It's not so that we could live for him. Let me say it differently. It's so that we could be with him. If you look back in our text, Mark chapter 3 says this, so that they would be with him. Because following Jesus is not about doing. It's about being with Jesus. Jesus. Following Jesus doesn't mean that you're going to have to move to Africa, be a missionary, and do some grand gesture. No, what following Jesus means is that you want to be with him. You want to know him. And the more you get to know him, you're open to his call on your life. Be that Africa, or be that a new job, or be that talking to your neighbor across the street. The more you know him, the more open you are to his calling. It's that simple. You know, when I found this out, my world was rocked. I can still remember being in a Christian club that we had in school. I actually helped found this club, guys. It was called Living Proof. Um, I, with my group of friends, we, we started an evangelistic club in my high school. And I remember sitting in there one Thursday afternoon, and who we had as a speaker was talking about the gospel. And it was so simple. And I got to tell you, it was like light bulbs flashing in my mind that day. I realized I'm a sinner. Jesus died for me to forgive me of my sin, and I simply needed to just trust what he did rather than me being good enough to fix it myself. And when I realized that, it was funny, because I knew that academically for a long time, but for that moment, it was the first time it rang true for me personally, and I ran to it. It changed things. I started opening my Bible and reading it, but not as the task that had to be finished that day. It was an avenue to be closer to Jesus. I started praying not as another checkbox or to tell someone, oh, I prayed for you. No, it was so that I could pour out my soul to my Creator. I could tell him my good desires and my bad, and I could commune with my Lord. It changed things. And I I realize this whole idea of being with Jesus and not doing things for Jesus, some of you can think, this is all semantics game, right? It's just a bunch of word pictures. And it easily could become that. But it all amounts to the purpose. That's what makes the difference. The purpose, when it's about a relationship, it's no longer about checking off boxes. It's about Working toward a knowledge with Jesus. And I had a conversation with even one of our City Kids workers this morning. Uh, you know, we're doing this devotional. It's in the back at the table, at the, at the Next Steps table, along with the Life of a Jesus Follower series. If you don't have this devotional, it's, it's a small donation to get one. I, I'd encourage you to do it and work along with the church. But, but this, this work, she was talking with me and she said, Man, that's, that's pretty deep. I, you know, I, we've been in it a week and I've gotten two days down. And I said, That's okay, because it's not about checking off the boxes. The moment we make it about checking off the boxes, it's no longer about Jesus. It's about knowing Jesus. If it takes you a year to finish the six weeks devotional, nobody cares. Nobody should care. And we'll celebrate that around here, because it's about knowing Jesus, Let's not get caught up with this. I I do want to put this point up on the screen. The primary call on my life is not to do something for Jesus. But the primary call on my life is to be with Jesus. So spending time with Jesus fills our life with his purpose. And it also changes everything. Everything. You know, from a place of intimacy, his followers were sent out to tell this truth to others. If you look back in our original passage, Mark chapter 3, verse 14, it says at the end that, that he sent them out to preach. And Jesus wanted the, the, the disciples to show the world how great it was to have a relationship with him. Everything Jesus desires to do through you, he will accomplish as the overflow of his relationship with you. You know, my senior year in college, I went to school at a, at a Christian college in Jacksonville, Florida, studying ministry. I graduated my senior year and I had no job. I had no opportunity to go use my new skill set in a full-time ministry capacity. However, I was dating this girl who had another year left and I thought I was going to marry her. So what I did was I signed myself a one-year lease and I was going to figure it out, buy time in Jacksonville, and, you know, we'll move on with life in, in 365 days. Three weeks into my new lease, we broke up. And, um, you know, I gotta tell you, that was a low point in my life. Because here I am, I'm in a city that I really no longer wanted to be in, I don't have a reason to be there anymore, oh, and I don't have a job. So, I, I was in a rough spot, and I, what I did, my real wise way to handle this conundrum, was I threw myself into church. Like, if, if there was one possible way to be involved, I did it. I was, I was working with the senior citizens. I mean, I was doing it all. I took, I took over, and I'm surprised they even let me do this, I took over a really large children's ministry, and I was running this thing. And I got to tell you, I was doing such a poor job. I I mean, really, I mean, because I was just in a funk, guys. I I did not have things settled. My answer to my problem was more, more, more service, more action. I finally did find a job, though. I got a job at Timaquana Country Club in Jacksonville, Florida. And um, it was a golf course. I was on the greenskeeping crew. And for seven hours a day, you know what I did? I rode a tractor and cut grass. So I wanted to be in full-time ministry. I would have even taken working at a pizza joint. Instead, I am riding a lawnmower. But I got to tell you, that was probably one of the most gracious things that God ever gave me. Because, this may sound silly, but that John Deere seat was my mountain to be a part with Jesus. I'm telling you, I, I mowed grass on autopilot seven hours a day, and all I did was just think about God, commune with him things changed. I released my tensions. My mind was less cloudy. I actually started having joy and fruit from my ministry. Things changed for me. Man, I needed that year because I needed intimacy with God and I needed my stuff I did to flow out of intimacy, not out of this has to be done bowing my back. When we, when we do that backward, we drastically get the cart ahead of the horse. And that's not just a phrase. If you ever get a cart ahead of a horse, that is bad news, okay? That's not gonna work out. And my life wasn't working out either. And that's what Jesus has asked us to do here in this passage. He's like, hey, come to me. Come to me, know me, experience me. When, when that's full, there will be plenty of opportunity to do. It's about knowing God. And that, it's an awesome invitation. It's an invitation that I hope everyone here is willing to take. But it really begs us to three questions as we close. Our first question is, have you accepted God's invitation into a relationship with him through Jesus? You know, we, we, we spent a lot of time talking about this at the beginning of the message, but, and I realize that there are some people in this room who, who haven't bought into the whole following Jesus thing yet. I'm glad you're here. But I, I have to tell you, I, I'd, be, I'd be malpractice if I didn't tell you that experience, my own, others, and the scriptures tell you that trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior is the best decision you can ever make. And today's as good a day as any to make that decision. You know, if you want to talk, I'd love to talk to you afterward. Talk to someone in a CityWalk shirt. We want to help you on your journey. Then there's a second question. Is the passion of your life to know Jesus? There's such an important distinction between knowing him and merely being around him. Let me illustrate. I have a passion to know my wife and my kids. I want that to be a good relationship, Right? I'm passionate about it. It matters to me. But do I have that same level or even more of a a passion to know my creator, to know my savior? Where is that passion level for you? And here's the last question: Is the practice of my life to spend time with Jesus daily? Because knowing my family is a priority, right? I make time for them. And I hope you do too. I want my kids. I spend time with my kids. But how do we function that with Jesus? Is is scripture study and prayer even on your radar? That's how we get to know him. That's how we spend time with him. We've already mentioned the tool in the back, the life of a Jesus follower. We have that devotional. But it's not, there's not just that. There's, There's all kinds of ways. Be in the word, listen to our Savior. You know, he's been really good to us, guys. I, I, I speak for myself. I know he's been good to me. And I am grateful to be a follower of Jesus. And from somebody who's already in the pool, I want to encourage you. If you're not in, jump in. The water's fine. All right? Let, let's pray together, and uh we'll, we'll, we'll move on in the service. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for calling us to be with you. For those of us here, who Lord, who don't know you, I, I ask that today we would see your goodness. And that God, we'd be irrevocably drawn to you. Be real. God, be close to us, your people. Help us to love you with with the intimacy that you desire and, God, that, that we need. Allow us opportunities to share from the overflow of our lives about how great this relationship is. Help people in our communities to see you because of us. You're really good to us, Lord Jesus. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this gathering. In Jesus' name, amen.